welcome to High Action. I'm Perry Smith. I'm Will Brom. I'm John Story, and together we're the New West Guitar Group. On today's episode of High Action, we're going to feature Leo Amuedo. A special thanks to our Patreon members and our sponsors who make this podcast possible. For more information on High Action and how you can get involved, please visit www.newwestguitar.com slash highaction. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of the High Action Podcast, the post-Thanksgiving edition. What did you guys do this week for the for this wonderful week off? What did you guys do? Man, just did a lot of cooking and a uh, little bit of practicing, but tried to take a little bit of a break, man. How about you, Perry? Oh, I had a real exciting Thanksgiving. I ordered takeout, so that was... From know, where? <laughs> from where? From the wonderful Las Margaritas. A uh, fine established, fine Mexican establishment here in in Brooklyn. The weather was nice, um, so I had a chance to relax, and yeah, it was good. How is the Mexican food on the East Coast? I've heard mixed results about it. Yeah, well, let's just say it's mixed. You know, sometimes, <laughs> so, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's pretty much just garbage. So uh, right? I don't know, yeah. man. That place when we um, in your old spot over in Prospect Heights was that that, yeah. that place that was down the street. That was really good Mexican food. Yeah. It kind of became a staple of the New West tours that I would eat there whenever we go out to New York. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we've had some fun staples on the road, different Mexican spots. Remember our Wendy's chicken sandwich routine? I thought about that this weekend, man. I totally did. <laughs> I was remembering that at the end of every tour, we'd get yeah. a spicy chicken sandwich. That, I, that was more when we were in our 20s. That might have been before we you joined the group, Will. Maybe. I, I love yeah. some good jerk chicken from the East Coast, though. I always That's always yeah. getting that on the street. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, anyway, man. in addition to... East Coast food loving. We want to talk about our <laughs> interviewee today, Leo Amuedo, amazing guitarist located here in Los Angeles. One thing that really stuck out to me about Leo was his insight on being a good sideman and accompanist. He had some yeah. really good things to say about that. John, what were some things you took away from that? Totally. I mean, just the humility in it, you know, and like the fact that you're you're really supporting someone else's music and someone else's vision. And he talked a lot about how, you know, working with Bodie early on, Chris Bodie, of course, taught him so much about that and about the stage presence involved in that. I'm excited for the listeners to check out the interview. He's a really great guy and just a monster guitar player, mm -hmm. too, in addition to being such a great sideman. Perry, he had a quote, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on it are, where he was talking about thinking about what the listener might want to hear while you're playing. And that, as a jazz musician especially, it can be not necessarily the first thing we're thinking about when we're playing, but thinking about what the listener might be thinking or what they might be getting away from it. Right, yeah. It's also important for jazz shows because sometimes you just have one listener. Mm -hmm. So then you have to really think about what that one person wants to hear. <laughs> We've been there. No, We've been there. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, 
he's a really talented, experienced cat. Um, I think he's a very giving musician. So I think that plays into what you're talking about, whether he's working with an artist, he's trying to give everything to support that artist, or whether he's leading his own group and he's trying to really connect with the audience. I think that's what it comes down to, connecting with the audience, you know, totally. uh, as opposed to trying to anticipate what they might want to hear that's always been a hard road for me to try to understand it's like i think if you try to anticipate what you want to hear as an audience member then exactly. undoubtedly you're going to connect with people in the room unless you're just the craziest person on the planet and you're so far ahead of your time and yeah you know who knows this was a really fun interview. He's got a fun... I love that over the course of these interviews, we're slowly but surely getting little drops of information about Pat Metheny <laughs> from like the most random sources. Oh, right. Like fitting into this puzzle, the puzzle of Pat. So Yeah, he had some fun stories about that. that, didn't he? John, why don't we do a little plug for the merch store? Oh, the new great merch call. Store. Great call. Well, today I launched our Cyber Monday New West email. Yes. <laughs> which has a link on it for those of you who are checking listening to the podcast between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, you can go to our Teespring store and order mugs and shirts. And I created a promo code, which gets you free shipping in the U.S. on that. And uh, fun little stocking stuffers. And actually, I just ordered one of the mugs, and um, my mom got hers, and she said that it's really nice. It's really nice quality. So we ain't, we don't skimp out here in the New West Guitar Group. Whether it's the guitars we play from L5s and Marchionis down to the coffee mugs, we are going to give you the highest quality right. goods in our industry. Um, but the Teespring store, check that out. Also, Bandcamp is doing a lot to help artists right now. And for those of you who in the past have enjoyed albums like Sleeping Lady and even our Introducing New West Guitar Quartet album, Live at Mock Chunk Opera House, which is our current release that was done in 2017, you can actually purchase the digital album on Bandcamp and that goes directly to the New West Guitar Group. Uh, and lastly, check out our Patreon page because we have all sorts of new video content up there, which we're branching off from what you're hearing right now. And it's been a really fun chance for us to sort of build something new there. And we've got a really strong group of VIP followers there. So check out Patreon. All those links are on our Cyber Monday email. And you can also check out all of our socials, Instagram and Facebook, especially Instagram has links to all of this stuff. So that's mm -hmm. for all your Cyber Monday needs. Before you listen any further, go on our podcast app and smash that subscribe button. Smash it. Smash it. We want smash subscribers. It. And if you'd like to leave us a five-star review, that'd be awesome. Or a six-star yeah. review, if those existed. Yep. Okay, well, should we get into it and send them to listen to Leo Amuedo? Bombs away. Here we go. All right. Enjoy episode 14 with Leo Amuedo. All right. Please welcome to the High Action Podcast, Leo Amuedo. Hey, Leo, thank you for being here. Bro. Thank you for inviting me. Man, even just researching your, your story, just reading it, like seeing how much you moved around and all the places you've been, it's exciting just to read it. Yeah, I've been around for, I mean, I've been living in different places, not many different places, but basically I was born and raised in Uruguay, mm -hmm. South America. And um, when I was 22, I moved to Holland. 
that was 1989. And then mm -hmm. I, I spent like 14, almost 15 years in, in Amsterdam. You know, I went, I went down to Holland for like three or four months and it became like 15 years. And after wow. that, I moved to Brazil, mm -hmm. to Rio de Janeiro, where I lived also like 16 years or something like that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Well, before we jump too far ahead, I'd love to talk about what got you into music and when you got your guitar. I believe at age four, you got, you started playing guitar. Well, that's what, that's what I keep hearing from my brother because I don't remember <laughs> myself when I was four. You know, I have like a few memories of, 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 of a few things, but I remember myself playing when I was maybe seven, but I was already playing for sure. I don't know if four, maybe four or five. That's when I started to take, to grab the guitar. You know, my brother used to play and, uh, and there was an acoustic guitar, of course, an nylon guitar, and there wasn't an electric. Uh, apparently, I was getting very excited when he was practicing, and, and you know, and I was. My brother is 15 years older than me, so when he was 15, uh, he was 14 and a half or something when I was born. Well, he keeps telling me that I was getting very excited when he was playing and, and practicing, like like for real, like like very excited, like I, that I wanted to just grab the instrument. So after a few years, he let me play. Let me. He started to teach me a couple of things. What I do remember is that I was playing next to him. That's, uh, that's how I started. I started playing only with my right hand. So my brother would play the chords, like I'm sitting now with my guitar, uh -huh. and I would be standing on his right side, just standing right. and playing like with my right hand. Love it. With my right hand, that's, that's how I started. So I started playing like rhythm and basically rhythm. I wasn't soloing, of course, but I was doing like, you know, like ticket, 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 ticket. I don't know, whatever. I don't remember that part, but. That's how I started. And then how did I grab the instrument and start playing chords and yeah. stuff? I don't remember that. I mean, like that, the transition of, of the first couple of times, I don't, that's out of my memory for some reason. Mm -hmm. So I just remember that and I remember myself playing already, you know? So yeah, it's me. It alone. just happened organically. I don't think you have, I think we can all relate to that. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, yeah, I don't know. It just showed up in my hands one day and yeah. the rest is well, history. You know, it was certainly a process of learning because, you know, that's normal. Uh, but I just don't remember because I was too little. Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's like, you know, I don't have any me many memories from that time, you know. Yeah. So what were some early influences in like music you were listening to? Did you have any like guitar heroes that you were, you know, enamored with? I was when I was uh, when I was a kid, like when I was in my seven, eight years old. I was basically listening to pop music, and and so that that was the first music that I listened to, and uh, a lot of American pop music because my father used to be uh, he used to write lyrics for songs, so he would listen to a lot of music, a lot of uh, soul and pop music from that era, you know, from the 70s or 60s or whatever, the 80s. I mean, 80s maybe maybe 70s, and so that's that's what I, that's the music that was playing in my house. And of course, a lot of Brazilian music, because Uruguay is culturally, our culture musically is very related with Brazilian music. There's a lot of Brazilian music in, in Uruguay, you know, in the, mm -hmm. on the radio and on the TV and everything. So I was probably listening to Brazilian music as well. For sure, pop music, you know, whatever the radio was playing, my father was playing at home, but not jazz or not instrumental stuff. That, that came a lot later, you know. In 1989, I was maybe, I think, 22. And my 
what I really wanted to do is I wanted to come to the United States because, you know, we all knew at the time that there were a few places in the world that, that was really happening for musicians. And the United States is one of the places, of course. Brazil, United States, and, and maybe Cuba, Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe Europe, of course, some places like France. But for some reason, I felt like I want to go to New York or, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was in my mind. But at the time, it was very hard for us, uh, I mean, us, I mean, Latin people, to get a visa. Mm-hmm. It was it was very difficult times. And for some reason, they never really turned me down. But I, I, didn't, I didn't finish the process because I thought it was very hard. So, and I have friends in Holland already, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like very close friends that were living there. And uh, and they invited me to come to Holland, you know, and say, well, you just come down here, and then if you like it, you can, you might stay with us. And that's why I went to Holland actually, because Holland is not a destiny for a lot of people. You know, like people. There's, rest- a, there's a good music scene there, though. I mean, like, I feel like Amsterdam is a real hub for like. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a great country, beautiful country, and and a lot of great musicians. And and when I, I mean, now is 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 still very happening, but in the 80s it was like exploding there were bars everywhere like there was a couple of streets that there were like bars like a little bit like broadway street in nashville you know they have uh-huh. bars like i don't know if you've been there but it's like mm-hmm. bars with live music on both it's sides of the up. street for a couple right. of blocks amsterdam was like that now it's a little different because everything got to clean and you know they have to a lot of a lot of places close close mm-hmm. down because the noise and this blah blah, blah whatever but in the 80s was yeah well Amsterdam was great so I, I came down there and and I thought this is great I want to stay here well yeah, three months became 14 years you know. <laughs> uh, during your time there you played I read you played with the Metropole Orchestra well what happened is I was playing I was doing gigs already with some of the members of the orchestra of the bass of the rhythm session mm-hmm and, and some of them became good friends of mine, like, for instance, Hans Froman's piano player, incredible piano player. He mm-hmm. still played with Metropole. He's the, he's the main piano player. At the time, he was doing, like, part-time. Like, you know, he was doing, like, 40%. And there was another guy who I, I don't remember who it was. But I remember we played together with Hans in a couple of different gigs. And, um, and another guy that I knew that actually passed away, unfortunately, uh, on a crying, he was an arranger and a piano player, and he he was invited by a TV show to do a a, a a couple of arrangements for a special. There was a TV special in which Metropole Orchestra was going to play with all different artists. And at the time, I was putting a record out with Polygram, and and then they got me into that show. Okay, so that, that's how I played with the Metropole for the first time. Wonderful. I was kind of a, like a, a guest, one of the guests of the program, of TV show. But I knew a bunch of people that play on the orchestra already. And uh, that was a great experience. That was really nice. This episode of High Action is brought to you by Jeff Traugott Guitars. Jeff Traugott is an amazing luthier. He's based in Santa Cruz, California. New West has a long history with Jeff. We've performed on his instruments for almost 15 years now, in particular models like the R and the BK. Jeff's instruments are amongst the finest in the world for flat-top acoustic guitars. Uh, Chris Martin of Martin Guitars says, Builders like Jeff have helped raise the standards of our craft to the highest levels ever. So for more information on how you can find one of his instruments or to check out his current offerings, visit TraugottGuitars.com. 
And so from Holland, you eventually in 2002 moved to Rio de Janeiro. Well, I mean, Ivan Lins was a main, one of the main reasons that I decided, made me decide to move. And, and uh, you know, I was married to the mother of my son at, at the time, and, and she's from Brazil, so it's from Rio. Yeah, it was a very nice excuse to, to, to move to Brazil. It was a crazy movement, though. A lot of my friends didn't really get it in Holland. They were like, what do you mean? You're leaving? Because I was doing really well in Holland. You know, I was, I was really building a nice career mm-hmm. and doing a lot of sessions. And it was, I was super, super busy. But I thought, you know, I just wanted to give it a try. And, and certainly to play with Ivan Lins, it was a big dream for me. You also played with percussionist Armando Marsal, who was in the Pat Metheny group in like yeah. the mid late '80s. How was it working with Armando? Oh, he's great. I mean, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he's a beautiful, beautiful person. And, uh, and you know, of course, I always ask him things about Pat, and uh, he played like for nine or ten years yeah. with Pat. So right, yeah, it's got to be some epic stories there. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he loved he likes Pat a lot. Anyway, he, you know, he said that Pat always liked to drive. Yeah, so when... when <laughs> Just they, like you, John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's me and the, this band, Leo. John's the driver for the... Yeah. Yeah. So he, Marcel said, you know, and I, I said, Leo, Pat, every time we wanted to... The, the whole band would fly to a place, like in two hours they'd be there, and Pat would ask me, like, Marcel, you want to come with me? I want to drive. And I would say, sure, no problem. And then he would be driving for like nine hours. Oh, you know? man. But Pat mm. loves that. Yeah, he loves to drive. Road so. warrior. <laughs> yeah. So Marcel went with him, you know, and all this driving <laughs> craziness. Yeah. So what linked you up with Chris Bodie? I was playing with Ivan already, and then we did this project with Metropole Orchestra and Vince Mendoza. And so we went down to Holland with Ivan, and we did these recordings with Vince. That's how I met Vince. And Vince used to work in Holland for a long time. He was... Like the residence, the, the residence, uh, I said like conductor resi- in residence or something. He was conducting the Metropole. He was the main conductor for a few years, actually. He was almost living there. And one day I was, we were eating in a restaurant. I remember I said to Vince, you know, I would love to come to L.A. and have a little more time to hang around because I, I already, I was in L.A. before with, I came down here to play with Ivan in a couple of festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But always very quick, you know. You know how it is. You go to a city, you play, and the next day you go to another city. Or so he kept that in mind. So he recommended me to Bobby Columby, who was producing Chris's record, and and Vince was going to do one arrangement for that record, the Impression record. And so he recommended me to Bobby, who is actually a great friend of mine now, but at the time I didn't know him. And one day I just get an email from Bobby, saying, "I'm Bobby. I'm Chris's manager, and." Uh, would like to invite you to play on, on the record. But honestly with you, I didn't know Bobby and I didn't know Chris. I, I have right. no I, I have no idea who Chris was. So I started to listen to the music that he's done and stuff like that. And, and then finally came, I came down to LA and record on, on his record, you know, on his CD. I came down to play, to record one tune. That was the idea, to do like a duet. But I end up playing on the whole record because, you know, they asked me, like, can you play on that song too? <laughs> what do you think about this song? And at the, at the end, I play on the whole thing. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's how we started, you know, through Ivan, through Vince. And so did you soon after move to Los Angeles? No. I, well, we record that CD with Chris in July of 2011. The CD came out in 2012. And he invited me. To, to do the Blue Note run that he does every December. 
Yeah. Our paths almost crossed this December. You were there the day after we left with Arturo. Like, the day after. So funny. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. Anyway, go on. So he invited me to do that run with him on the same year, 2011. And then I, st- and then he invited me to join the band, like officially. So I mm-hmm. stayed with him for a few years, maybe two, two and a half. But I was still living in Brazil, so I would just go and wow. back and forth, crazy, you know. Yeah, it was, it was it was insane. A lot of traveling, a lot of miles. But then I I, I took a break. I I stopped playing with Chris in uh-huh. in 2000, in the end of 14, and I. So I stay in Rio, and I went back to play with Ivan to, okay. to work with him and do other things as well. So through Bobby, Blood, Sweat, and Tears invited me to play with them, and I wasn't that busy at the time. That wasn't in 2016 in Brazil. So I said, yeah. So I started to come again to play with Blood, Sweat, and Tears, which was a lot of fun. You know, it's a great band. And then we went. I was in LA, and Bobby said, Bobby asked me, "You want to come down to see Chris? Chris is playing today in LA." He's doing a concert, and you haven't seen Chris for like three years. Yeah, so I went with him, and I was already moving to LA. And I was looking for a place and everything. And then when Chris knew that I was moving to LA, he called me back to play with him again. You know, so that's that's why you're you're a valuable commodity. You can just like you just make your presence known, and they're that you're no. right back in the chair. I love it. I love <laughs> it, man. Yeah. No, but you know, it's it's. I don't know if you have to be lucky in a way, but you know, I, I went through moments in my life that I didn't have enough work, and it's not always been like a lot, you know, mm-hmm. that I had a lot of work and stuff. But but I think I think it's a combination of things, you know. When people ask me like, what's what's people ask me like, what would you tell young people or young musicians, you know? I think to be a successful musician, you need to you need to fit a lot of different rules, you know, and it's not just playing decently good your instrument, but you know what I mean, Will. It's like mm-hmm. trying to be nice to people and trying to be nice to, to travel with people. And so when you have a good relation with people and people like you, it's not that I do my best for people to like me. I'm trying to be myself, but I mean, you know, that helps if you have a good relation. So I always had good relations with everybody, you know, that I work mm-hmm. with and certainly with Chris. So... He likes me and I like him. So he said, oh, you're moving to L.A.? Come on. And you've been touring with him basically ever since, like for a number of years, right? Yeah. So when I came back to L.A., that's beginning of 2017. And so I've been playing basically with him, yeah, because there's a, there's a lot of shows. There's, no, there's hardly room for anything else, you know? Sure, yeah. I so, have to ask, so you must have hung with Sting at least a couple times at this point. We did. We played a few, few shows with him. Yeah, man, can you tell us about that at all? I'm a huge Sting fan. I think we yeah, me too. Are. Sting is a super cool guy. You know, he's so relaxed and he doesn't talk much, but he's very nice, very very nice, very humble and very very smart guy. And you know, great artist. I mean, the first time I remember, I was a little bit not nervous, but I was a little tense because you know, uh, of course, you know, playing with a big name like that is always a little bit of extra adrenalina and sure. so we, we the first show we did was in paris it was a private thing like a private party or something and then we played a few times in italy and we went to was it uzbekistan i don't remember we went to different wow. places with him yeah because chris used to play with him for right. a long time no? right they're really good friends they were super close friends and sting would come to the blue note every year and jam with us you know he would just 
jump on stage and sing and, and this is really nice he's a really nice guy awesome. yeah it's great but i never um, worked with him directly it was always through chris well we haven't even gotten to hear any of your playing yet i would love to play one of your tracks off of your sure. album eternamente uh-huh. this is sambina para luisao <laughs> funny story you know i recall that record in in brazil eternamente and i you know i, I recorded myself with a bunch of musicians and i went to the studio and i produced it myself everything and then after i finished the recordings i came down to my house and listened to to the music and everything and i didn't like it i i did like what the musicians play but i didn't like the compositions i, I get into kind of a noia thing yeah you know like like yeah. a like a headache thing, like I thought like, no, I'm not going to put this out. I mean, I don't think this is good enough to put it out. You know, I was like, I left it on my hard disk for almost four years. And and then one time I, I even forgot about it because it was, I was kind of like, I tried to mix it. And I tried to listen and I thought, nah, it's, I don't know. It was my head because, you know, it was something going on in my, in my you know, that happens to all of us sometimes. Yeah. And I thought my playing wasn't good enough and whatever. So after like four years, I was I was cleaning literally some hard disk, some drives in my house, and then I found that record, and then I listened back, and then I liked it. I thought, wow, this is actually sounds pretty good. So I decided I to agree. put it out, but it took me like five years, you know. Leo, it's so great to meet you, man. A fellow uh, Marchione, uh, a brother here. Yeah, absolutely. Good to meet uh, you, John. Good to meet you, and I actually did want to talk about Stephen a little bit, Marchione. How did you meet him? I met uh, Stephen through Mike Moreno. Because mm -hmm. I met Mike in New York. I don't remember, actually, I don't remember how I met Mike. Uh -huh. But we met, oh, oh yeah, no, I, I, knew, I knew about his playing and I knew about his CDs or whatever, you know. You know, guitar players, musicians always looking for other musicians and, and I, I, I found Mike online or something and then i was playing at the blue note with chris and and mike was doing like a late session mm -hmm. you know in blue note they have sometimes fridays and saturdays i think they have after our show there's another band playing right like a late late night or whatever and so mike was doing that and i stayed to listen to him that's how i met him cool and then after the show i went to talk to him 
and and then I think he knew me already from Ivan, and so we became kind of friends. And then we hang. I went to his place in New York, in Harlem at the time, to visit him, and so he showed me his Marciani guitar, the, the semi hollow. And I was very interested immediately. Of course, I thought, "Wow, this is a different instrument, beautiful." And and he said, "Well, you know, I can I can put you in contact with with Stephen. I, I'm sure he would love to meet you." And 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 so he, you know, Mike actually introduced us. Yeah. And and then um, and then it took like a year or two years before. Then I went to the Nam show. That that's what happened. So we changed some emails with with Stephen, Marchioni. And then finally, I went down to I came down to the Nan show, uh, and I met him. So he wanted. He said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna make you a guitar that you're gonna be playing every day. You're not gonna be able to play any other instrument." I said, "Well, I said to him, you know, I have a lot of good guitars. I said <laughs> I believe you, but I have like 25 great instruments like Gibsons and Fenders and and, and but he was very secure of what he was saying, and I was, I was like, whoa." And so he made that semi-hollow guitar, and it's mm-hmm. absolutely, I mean, I mean, when I touched that guitar, it was the best neck I ever played in my whole life. And I play so many instruments, but that neck is like, all of the necks, you know, all of the guitars yeah. he made are beautiful. Yeah. Incredible. He has a real vision for the player. He really knows before we know. I, I feel like he's one of those guys, some luthiers just build guitars because they really feel like they build them the right way. Right. He builds guitars the right way, and he builds flamenco guitars great, right. even violins. Yeah. But he has this talent where he, like, scopes you out as a player and is like, this is what you really want. Because when he when he built this arch top, I argued with him quite a bit about how I wanted the pickup and everything. And he's like, nope, this is how you're going to want it. And sure enough, I just I play it all the time. And that, that's my last question about this, too, is um, um, I know you tour with his instruments a lot on the road. I mean, all the pictures I see of you playing or with the Strat SS type guitar he's playing in your semi. Um, even it, whether it's that, the Marchioni's guitars or other guitars you have, is there an instrument right now that you've been um, playing a lot at home um, during this time that you're really connected with um, that you've been just enjoying playing? Maybe it is one of Steven's guitars, I know you said. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that one, the Strat is always next to me. That's the one I use all the That's time. That's the signature Leo guitar, man. That's yeah, like, well, it's, it's no, part of you. It's, it's just a it's just a strand with two humbuckers, you know. I don't know if you can see it. It's I love beautiful. It. I yeah. love that. Yeah, but uh, for some reason, is I just I just love the neck and everything. And I play the semi hollow a lot too. So both both Marchioni guitars are the, the guitars that I play the most, maybe ninety percent. And I also I also have a couple of Sadowski guitars that are also very good guitars. Hmm. Right. And I play them as well. And I have a Fender, and and I have a Yamaha. It's a very beautiful Yamaha three three five that I get from Yamaha. Hmm. And uh, so I, I play them all. But but the Marchionis are like, I mean, my main gear right now and for the last four years is is the Marchioni for sure. Okay. Very cool. Well, I, I love giving him a shout out to the to the people on the High Action Podcast who haven't checked out him because um, he is an interesting luthier, and it is fun that we have that connection because as you can imagine, not very many of our guests on high action. I know uh, are playing Marchionis. Uh, Cause yeah, I know of us. So I think he makes the best next, you know, and I think the neck of a guitar is, is such an important part of the guitar, you know, 
yeah. and the pickups are very important and the body of the guitar of course but to me the neck is is the, the soul of the guitar because this is what you play you know and yeah. all the intonation and even the, the even the sound of the instrument i think has to do with the neck you know oh, a, a well-constructed neck with the right wood and the right tension and the fret work that he does is is amazing it, it, it's like it, it cannot be better than that yeah. yeah right it's like yeah it's just perfect i think i may have met you briefly at the nam show actually speaking of steven marquion it was in passing oh. at his booth i believe but it's interesting it, to it, yeah there's so many people down there that I, I don't really remember that but yeah maybe maybe we even stuck i don't remember we might have for a second it's interesting to hear you guys talk about those guitars because i mean i definitely agree the neck is just so perfect um i don't have one Maybe it's in my future, but yeah, Stephen, a really incredible luthier. So it's it's cool that you have this connection with our group. Um, yeah, I, I want just to start out by saying uh, how much I admire your playing. You know, you really have a great way on the guitar. Uh, your oh, technique you. is you. is fantastic. Whether you're using your your fingers on your right hand to play, or whether you're articulating with the pick, you got a great touch. And you're getting a great uh, sound from acoustic instruments when you play live, which is one of the hardest things that we struggle with, is getting a good acoustic guitar sound live, whether you're playing nylon string or steel string. So it, it's difficult, yeah, I know. I mean, so it's a hard thing to do. So thank you for setting you know, a good example for all that stuff. Uh, we definitely oh, look, thank up, you so much, look up to you I on appreciate that. that. There's so many challenges involved, and, and you're pulling it off great. I, I had a specific question I wanted to ask you about. I know you spend a lot of time as a sideman, but you also are a leader. You know, you lead your own groups and things. And I'm curious to ask you, you've worked with so many great sidemen, Yvonne Linz, Chris Bodie, among others. You know, what have you learned from being their sideman as, as a, how to kind of conduct yourself as a leader when you're kind of putting your own projects out there, whether it's on the stage or producing records, you know, what have you kind of taken from what those guys have shown you? Because I work so much as a side man, as a side musician, you know, most of my life I, I did that. So when it, when it comes to playing my own show, which I don't do very, very often, honestly, but I've done a couple of tours and a couple of shows and a couple of records, I put out a couple of records. You know, I always feel myself like like it's it's not really my project. So I put myself also like a side musician in in my own project. In other words, Interesting. I don't and and that feels very comfortable for me. And I think it also makes the other musicians feel also comfortable. That's in my mind. I don't know, but so I, the records that I put out, it was always very smooth, and and I never. Of course, if it's your own project, you can tell people what you kind of want or, or in a way try to translate what you want to hear a little bit. Because, you know, normally I just let people play. If you call the right musicians, you don't need to tell them anything. Right. Let them do what they know. And, you know, that's why you call them. Right, exactly. But, but, so, but when we do like live shows and stuff like that, certainly in my own show, there's more guitar because it's my own show. So there's, there's a lot of guitar solos, you know. But other than that, it's, it's the same. You know, for me, it's just kind of the same thing. And uh, and uh, I always feel comfortable being in a group. I, I, I being a leader in a group is is not really something that I really got used enough to do. And I still feel a little uncomfortable with that, like That's being this yeah. the, the 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 you know the main attention, 
the main uh, thing on uh, I think I, I put myself always in the group like it's a group show you know like a band yeah I'm happy to have my name uh, on, on the poster but you know what I mean it's just and let people play and then just just sharing more than than you know I think that's uh, but you know what I learned being a side musician is being part of a group and also learning how to comp and have to make other people comfortable with your playing and, and trying to understand what people want to hear. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting journey to be I, a side musician. Yeah, 100% agree. I've, I've always felt that it's beneficial for uh, guitar players and for artists to have experience being side people and also in yeah, being in absolutely. a leadership role, even if it's just recording your own CDs in a studio, um, you can learn a lot from being on either side of that equation. I've found, and it absolutely. Makes, but it's have, easier to be a side musician, I think, for me at least. Yes, because it feels more comfortable, you know, because mm -hmm. you're not the center of the attention all the time. Yes. Being a leader is kind of it's tough sometimes because it's like yes, no. from the moment they announce you to the moment you walk into stage, and it's it's about you to start with and then the band yeah we i mean we understand i mean you're talking to three guys that are part of a band or part of a collaboration and so we can work together under the blanket of new west guitar group and it's not all on one of us you know it's that's, that's actually nice if you ask me i prefer that right i would rather have be part of a band than just doing my own solo thing it just happened you know i i, I think when when you do it, whatever you do very often, and then you get experience with that, it starts feeling comfortable, you know? Like, even if you, mm -hmm. like, people like, I don't know, all of these great guitar players that we admire, you know, like John Scofield, that I know you guys interview him, and yeah, I'm a yeah. huge fan of John Scofield. John was also a sign musician for many, many years. Oh, yeah. And then before he knew, he was doing his own shows, and he probably felt comfortable with, but maybe not in the beginning i don't know i never asked him that but but you know i know what be, you, I you know get what you used mean. to whatever you do the most you know and yeah then, i know uh, what you mean some people i feel like have a have a more comfort level being on one side or the other but yeah. the fact that you have experience in kind of both ways even if it tends more towards being a sideman yeah. i'm sure it makes you a better side person just kind of realizing what the leaders have to go through a little bit you know right and, but uh, also like some musicians have that attitude or, or that need from the very beginning, you know, like mm -hmm. for instance, Chris. Chris mm, yes. is a good example of somebody who wanted to be a band leader, who wanted to have his own show. You know what I mean? I never, I never really had that in myself. I right. never really wanted to be that guy. Yeah. I felt I'm okay playing on the background. I'm yeah. fine. If it sounds good and I'm having fun, it's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, but no, it's, it, it's it's really interesting to hear you talk about that because we've interviewed so many different guitar players th through this podcast and we've heard a number of people say those very same things. It's like, I'm okay being in the background or like, I kind of yeah. like being in the band. Um, and certainly you're great at that, but when you step out and you're featured and you're playing, you know, you're lighting it up. So you, you could easily be uh, the front person for the whole gig as far as, as, far no, as I'm I mean, concerned. It's, it's, I remember the, the, the few first shows that I did under my name i was so nervous i mean oh really um i i wanted to ask you just one other question here you know what are some of your tricks or so what are some of your habits on the road that kind of keep you steady and keep you even on the road because we've all been able to uh get out on the road and it can be really energetic it can be engaging 
but it can also be a lot. It can also kind of, you know, burn you out at times. And so what are some of the things that you've done to kind of keep yourself right and sharp on the road? Well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very simple. Like the way I live is very, very basic. So like, for instance, if we're traveling, you know, I practice on the airport and if we have like a three hours layover or something, I just grab my guitar and play. Good. I'm Amen. glad to know that I'm not yeah, the I only crazy love doing person that, you know, that does that. I, people <laughs> watch me and go like, but I don't play loud, of course, it's electric, so <laughs> yeah. I don't bother anybody, but it's, you know, that's what I do. And even I even play on a, on an airplane. If we're flying, like, we don't fly like business all the time, but like on long flights, we normally go on, on first class. Ooh. And so we have space, but even on the on the economy plus or whatever it's called yeah uh, sometimes there's nobody next to you you know like it's a little empty and i just grab my guitar and Thank well, you, Leo. Man, have a good weekend and stay safe, and uh, yeah. we'll see you around town. Thank you so Appreciate much. It. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting edition of High Action. We'd like to take this moment to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible, especially those who follow us on Patreon. If you'd like to join us, visit us at www.patreon.com slash newwestguitargroup. There you can subscribe monthly to our Patreon page and get exclusive content from today's podcast. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for all the future episodes. Once again, I'm John Story with New West Guitar Group, and thanks for joining us on High Action.